Welcome to Product Growth Leaders Topic of the Week, a podcast that explores product management and leadership topics through interactive conversations with our product leader panelists. Conversations that will challenge you to think about your thoughts on the topic and perhaps get you to change your mind. I am Grant Hunter, co-founder of Product Growth Leaders and the host and facilitator for these conversations. Listen, subscribe, and add your voice to the conversation every week in the Product Growth Leaders community. Hello, everybody. Grant Hunter here with another Product Growth Leaders Topic of the Week conversation. This week, we're going to talk about product manager technical capability and get into our first question on that topic. How technical should a product manager be? So the, to me, I'm, I've got a guy I worked with about 10 years ago whose Twitter handle is BT. SG or BSTG, business savvy tech guy. <laughs> and I said, maybe I should make mine TSBG. I'm a tech savvy business guy. I always said that I was dangerous enough with the tech, yeah. but not dangerous enough that I, I could start coding stuff. I could understand an end tier architecture in, in that. You, can, you can break something very well. I could break something very well. The last piece of code I ever wrote was like, gosh, 30 years ago, 35, 40 years ago, God, I'm getting old, where I made my name flip on a screen in basic, right? Mm. <laughs> in programming class. So I'm not like a programmer, I'm not a coder, I'm not gonna figure that stuff out, but technical is something that a lot, especially in the software and the online and content world, there's a technical nature to it. So we wanted to dig into this question. Mm -hmm. The first answer Brent, we who's got- Who's on the panel today? Uh, who's, oh, with me today, we've got a great panel, all-star panel. As always, Steve Johnson, my partner, and our third wheel. Oh, wait, that didn't come across. Our third leg. Wait. <laughs> no, a three-legged stool is like the, the most stable. Jason is that third leg with us this week. A popular yes. panelist. A po longtime popular panelist and, you know, favorite of mine. Longtime <laughs> listener, longtime caller. Longtime caller, <laughs> longtime participant. Yeah. And Jen... And, and, you know, I, I should, I've been thrown by the fact that our panel has slimmed down a little, I, you know. Jason, you didn't get in first. I didn't? No. Oh, I had a busy Monday, you know, things happen. Wow. I I, I thought we were had an understanding that <laughs> this was the most important thing. Yeah. <laughs> that on Monday morning, you got up just to learn what to think about this week. I don't know if you posted it at the time I get up, but. Well, I believe we'll figure that one out. We'll coordinate better. I figured out what to post at like 8:45 so it would be posted by 9. Okay. So, the first <laughs> answer we got was from uh, Paul Hurwitz. He said, "I don't think a product manager needs to be able to write code, but you do have to have be somewhat technical. You need to be able to have an intelligent discussion with your dev team and understand what they're telling you when they run into problems or have suggestions of a better way of building something." It's important for a project manager to have some understanding of the effort something required while doing needed research and requirements for writing new products and features. You don't want to be going to build, going in blind to a development team meeting when you're presenting new items. Now, Jason, you have a technical background, right? Yes, I do. Do you agree with Paul on this? It's uh, well, you know, I never. I try not to do. It depends. Um, we say but, that for John. Where is John was, when you need him? He has it here. My favorite answer is always it depends. <laughs> but um, and I think I uh, yeah. So he they went before me. Oh my gosh. 
He's just really, realizing how slow he was. I know. I was like, oh, I must have been really busy closing deals. Um, sales is sales is really tough when you're a product manager. <laughs> that's a different. That's a different week. Yeah. Come on. Get so, back uh, but I, you know, I do. When I inter when I interview product managers, I want them to have some high level basic understanding of some components of what we are doing as products. So, for example, we uh, have um, I, I work on a product that's heavy in XML transactions. So, XML based transactions from systems to systems, continuous continuously going all throughout the world all the time. Do I expect you as a product manager to understand XML? No. Do I expect you as a product manager to come in to understand HTML? At this point in your life, if you don't know what an HTML is, hmm, you may not be able to get up to speed fast enough because I can always get you from HTML to XML. And mm -hmm. so it really depends, I think, as a hiring manager, what the, what the product and the group are that you, the product manager is going to manage um, or the products that they actually you're actually developing. Um, and I think it's important to have some like Grant, your level of technical capabilities it w is probably appropriate because I think what product managers who don't have technical capabilities run into is not understanding the estimates, not understanding the challenges that the dev team or appreciation of what the dev team is going through um, and just being more of a, a it's good to be a voice of the customer, but they should really understand if the dev team is struggling um, and really do appreciation of the estimates because at some point that goes into um, total cost of, of development, total cost of ownership of the product. So your answer just helped me change how I describe my tech savviness. Is, which is why, how? It just hit me. I don't need to know how to code in Node.js or can you code Node.js? I don't know. I know I've heard of Node.js. <laughs> You know, I don't know, you know, JavaScript or whatever thing like that is. That being said, I do as a product manager or product leader, I needed to understand what were the mainstream tool sets, right, in languages. Because often we had some guy who's like, oh, I want to, there's this brand new thing that nobody knows how to do. I want to put that, I want to put that database in. And I need to be able to say, no, this is a scalable, we can't be testing new unproven <clears throat> data, right? Or somebody's like, oh, I'm just going to write this in C Sharp or .NET or whatever. And I mean, wait a second. Don't we want something? We want to be able to hire people to work on this. So I, I had to have a knowledge of at least what the technologies were and where they were in their stage of maturity and support in the market. Because I needed to be able to push back saying, no, we need something that's a, that's a proven mainstream platform or language or whatever else. Uh, and your XML, HTML thing made me think about that. I didn't yeah, I mean, write XML, but I knew what XML was and what it did. This happened when, when Angular was coming out for me with yes. regards to like new UI development um, and, and JSON objects, which I love that there's something called JSON out there. Um, <laughs> and I named, I named one of my daughters Ruby too, which is fantastic. And the other one's C++, but don't worry about it. <laughs> um, but, uh, so when Angular came out, like I had to do some because my we wanted to redesign our UI in Angular format so we could be more responsive. But I didn't know what Angular was. But I did teach JavaScript um, at a university level to to undergrads, and so I was like, well, I need to go and just do a little bit of research of what this Angular is and Angular.js, which is the JavaScript component, and kind of what's out there. And I think that if you have a product manager has 
some technical understanding, they can differentiate between a scripting language, a non-scripting language, something that's heavy with databases, not database. And object-oriented versus enough object to be able to research. Yeah, yeah. object-oriented versus you know non-object-oriented databases. And, and, yeah, just enough to be able to read without going. Uh, this is all totally you know Greek to me. I can't understand this. But do they need to be architects? No. Do companies want product managers that are also architects? Yes. Are they going to pay them like that? No. <laughs> so, yeah. No. You know, it, it, knowing, understanding APIs and integrations was key to me in the content world. I, I didn't need absolutely. to write it. So, Steve, you've been sitting up there quiet. I say up because on my screen, you're on top of me. Uh, so let me uh, um, <clears throat> respectfully disagree. Um, I didn't understand half of what you just said, Jason. <laughs> And yet I consider myself reasonably technical. Um, I, for instance, I'm now using OBS to do things with my screen like this. And that was- So like on a sad day, you could make yourself blue? Yeah, yeah, I could, yeah. That's cool. Uh, and implementing that technology was really quite straightforward. And yet to me, uh, but, you know, I understand files and I understand layers and I understand that, you know, the metaphors that are involved in, in, in OBS. Meanwhile, you know, Grant uh, has set up uh, a website using uh, a tool where, you know, you, you can do a lot of typing, but there are a lot of, you know, connecting parts together. So the question is, what do you mean when you say technical? And so yeah. I used to ask people, you know, are you technical? And this... <laughs> Product manager friend of mine said, well, I'm not really technical. I mean, you know, I can do some Ruby on Rails and I've done a couple of PHP <laughs> scripts, but I mean, you know, I'm not really, you know, I can't do C sharp. And I said, okay, the fact that you know the word C sharp makes you technical when compared to like a salesperson, right? So it's the comparison that's the issue. I don't yeah. want you to be, you don't need to be as technical as a coder or a developer. You need to be more technical than a salesperson or a marketing person. And frankly, and this is, you know, now I'm getting a little rant here, rant goes here. Um, marketing people amaze me in their lack of interest in technology. That's the part. So that's where I want to go to. I think the issue is if you are a manager of a technical product, then you should be actually interested in the technology um, enough to have a cogent conversation on choices. So development comes back and says, all right, we could do it this way, or we could do it this way. This way involves these pros and cons, that way involves those pros and cons. You need to be able to have that conversation. And so let me end my rant with a, with a story. Uh, a friend came to the VP of I don't know what, and said, you know, we're doing this thing. I'm, try I'm trying to tell the story without ratting anybody out. Uh, I'm doing this thing, and do you want this or that? And the VP said, oh, I absolutely want the second thing. And he said, well, that's really, really difficult. And the VP said, screw you, stop talking to me, do what I told you. And so he left the room and I said, I don't think you understood the question. Uh, the first option, was effectively right-clicking on a folder and choosing compress into a zip archive. And the second one was, 
reinventing everything in the um, CMS. The difference is five seconds and five hours. And he went, oh, I didn't want that second thing. In fact, what are we talking about again? And it turns out he didn't even understand the feature we were talking about. So he was incapable of understanding the question and giving advice. Uh, so what is, I don't know, what does technical mean? Uh, the thing that disturbs me is I see a lot of product managers saying, you know, what programming language should I learn? And the answer is none, right? It's, and, and, and for, for this reason, if you were gonna learn programming, you would have done it when you were 14. You missed it. I mean, right? I mean, yeah, maybe you can start coding at 35, just like you could maybe start playing guitar at 35, but odds are you'll never be good at it, right? But you need to be able to have the conversation. So rant over. You need to be oh. able to have a cogent conversation with technical people about technical issues if you are managing a technical product. I, I, I understand and agree. And it's interesting with the whole no, no code products coming, it'll be interesting to see how that impacts you know, does that make it easier for, for the people to do that? Now, well, hang on and look at you know, the tool that we're using for the website compared mm -hmm. to where it was 15 or 20 years ago. I remember seeing a job posting that said you must be able to hand code HTML without using a CMS. Yeah. Who does that anymore? Time <laughs> has passed, right? I mean, yeah. I can go into HTML and, and go, I'm going to change BR slash to paren p paren like it should have been if you didn't have such a shitty editor. And I'm thinking specifically of MailChimp. Um, I have to go through and hard and mess with the hard coded HTML because MailChimp's editor is so bad. But you don't have to do that. You could just hit enter twice instead of, of using a paragraph marker. Yeah, no. I... Anyway, that's me. No, I agree. And Jason, you had alluded to the second answer and came from John Harmer. Uh, and it was his favorite answer. It depends. It depends. And, right. It depends on a couple of things, the product you're working on and the company you're working for, which I thought was a very nice perspective to, to how to do it. If you're working on a very technical product and he brought up Kubernetes, is it Kubernetes or Kubernetes? Netties. See that I got my technical guy here to help me. Uh, or something very techie infrastructure -y like that. I could imagine product managers at infrastructure and security and storage companies probably need a little more technical savvy because mm -hmm. you're building infrastructure versus you use B2B user, you know, functional type software. You'll likely need a better, better skill set than something like a no code app. Ah, I didn't even know that I, I got to it. Also mm -hmm. company culture and hiring practices also affect this Google and many of the other dot coms. I added that one hire PMs with a minimum technical set. And actually a part of the interview process was a technical interview. So that's why somebody with a computer science degree is, has a chance there. But those are very, and we had these conversations before, it's the product manager as a technical feature manager, you know, design tech in the dot-com world, Silicon Valley world, Facebook, Google, or product as the business role, right? As we tend to talk about it here. And I think that that's, you're going to see that in the different cultures when they're hiring for it. Yeah. That being said, he said, you don't have to be super technical for any of them. Uh, if you're technically curious, you're likely fine and can get by right, yeah. and ramp up. You know, I, I want to agree with John and, and extend it uh, uh, just a little bit. I think the I love my yes ands. I love my yes ands. So yeah. go ahead. I think the answer is split the difference between development and sales. 
And that's how technical product managers should be. Boy, think about the variance on the standard deviation on that. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> so, no, I, but it's, 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 I think it's a. Within an organization, you know, yeah. a reason, you know, the average sales guy has 10 units of technical knowledge and the average developer has a uh, hundred units of technical knowledge then that means the product manager should have 45 units of technical knowledge. Well, so let me ask you this question. From 10, zero to 100, salesperson zero, here, let me get my, see which hand it is to get in. Salesperson zero, totally technical architect at 100. 50. Our, our product, where is it, but where's an SE? Are they 52? 50 zero also. Not two, but not the number 52. I'm going to shut up. I think they are 10% less than the product manager. Maybe 10% less technical. Less technical. Huh. I would have said 10% more. Jason, break the tie. Uh, 5%. <laughs> But you know, I, I think what happens is product management by nature of the job are exposed to things that yeah. the sales engineer is not exposed to. I guess the sales engineer is working with a finished product and it gets very good at understanding how it works and the features, but not about the technical decisions behind it. Correct. Unless it may be a large enterprise play and as part of the SE role, they have to be talking about architecture and integrations and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Yeah, I mean, there's different roles. There's different SEs, there's technical SEs and there's mm -hmm. Also, technical product managers that work on infrastructure, I mean, or the middleware and things of that nature. Sometimes yeah. it's just necessary. Yep. So, so I think we're back to halfway between sales and, and development within a product team, right? If you're working yeah. on, you know, cloud services way down in, in the, the underpinnings of product, then you've got a pretty technical dev team and they're going to ask pretty technical inquiries so we need to be pretty technical to field them yep i i agree following the next answer came in from graham and he said be yourself if you're technical bring it to the table if you're a dancer bring those skills i guess sometimes i've had to tiptoe around some difficult decisions but um <laughs> bad jokes my kids would say <laughs> if you're curious about this deeper to you know to you know and like an applause button you know <laughs> You know, when you say a dad joke and every, and suddenly it's like. <laughs> Thank you, Jason. If you're curious about the technical side, dig it and feature it out. And then the rest of us be mindful of your strengths or weaknesses impact your performance and use both to your advantage. And, you know, is Jason showing his dancing skills? No, I think he's going to get a big button. <laughs> Was that your dancing skills or you were getting a big button? Oh, oh was that the dogs? That was Amazon. my Amazon <laughs> skills. Because you're next in, in queue, right? You you came in with a, definitely a question of relativity. Does a high technical capability get in the way of communicating with the market? Does your dream big vision of possibly getting too deep into the, into the how instead of the why? Ultimately, it depends. What's important is to determine that if high technical ability is required for the specific product management role that is needed in this organization. So. I liked where you went with the, you know, could the technical nature get in the in in the way of your ability to communicate with the market? Is that both inbound and outbound? 
I think um, it, it go, turns into your preference. Yeah. So you'll find product managers who are heavy tech savvy will will possibly spend a lot more of their time going. Okay, hey, hey, there's some cool technology. Let's put Kubernetes um, on the on the mainframe. Let's test that out. And are getting away from why. Mm -hmm. Except for like, I have some developers that are cool. They want a challenging, cool new thing to do, but you're, you know, and so they start getting into um, defending the developers versus the market. Indeed. Oh, it makes sense. And, and, and until this call, until the, John's answer, I didn't even know what Kubernetes is. I thought it was like, like part of Kukla Friend and Ollie, one of those, you know, 70s shows with the big. What a reference. Good grief. Huh? But uh, now, now I'm, I, I, I searched it in Google and now all of a sudden all these ads for Kubernetes books are popping up in my stream. <laughs> so I'm not going to become an expert on it though. <laughs> not at all. Gotta love that remarketing. Hey, you got to, right? That's part of the gig. Uh, and, and then, you know, we had a couple other people come in, you know, and, and everybody comes on. It depends. I think the key thing that we're learning is the depends is what it's going to come on. Dharma, uh, you know, a, a past panelist said PMs need tech to be technical enough to translate the how into so what. Beyond that, it's up to the team product and what the customers expect of the PM and what they're working with. So, you know, there's got to be some level of understanding. You have to be if we're in a meeting, right, a collaborative meeting. Uh, with design and development, sharing requirements and brainstorming about what something may look like or how to do something, we have to have some knowledge, maybe not in the application of, but in the at least the types of options we have. But I, I think Jason does make a strong point, which is the real caution is to be representing the market and the problems instead of representing developers and designs. Um, yes. Right? that you go in and say, okay, guys, here's the button I want you to build. Here's the feature I want you to build. And you're like, dude, you've come over into the how part of the job here, which is fine if you want to transfer into that role. But as a product manager, you're responsible for the what and the who. Development takes care of the how. And I think that people who are, who have, people who have a really technical background struggle to stay at the at the who and the what and not get into the why. Or the well, and that's not good for your developer growth, you know? And to, if you're, because I think a lot of developers be like, oh, you're somebody who understands exactly what we need to be doing. So let them, if the developers uh, community that you work with don't have like a strong ego and they maybe just say, okay, well, I'm just gonna let them go ahead and just tell me kind of how, and they don't push back. What ends up happening is developers just become order takers and are not thinking about necessarily how to solve the problems themselves, which doesn't, um, it doesn't create a strong development force for that product. Mm -hmm. And so the next product manager that comes in has to be the same kind of um, architect scale director and those kind of things in order for that development group to be productive. Mm -hmm. And so you're not doing your developers any service by having a very technical product manager that doesn't know when to say when and go, okay, I know what you're talking about. I know how I would do it, but I'm going to let it be on your shoulders to kind of help me solve a problem based on what you know today. I might ask questions, but at the end of the day, it's really your decision because you have to live with it when you're fixing bugs and, and, and up, upgrading the infrastructure and upgrading the, the system and those kind of things. Mm -hmm. It's 
they have to live with it. So, but the question is, can you be a technical product manager who, who can refrain from making so many suggestions, so to speak? Well, so it's know, reminded though of, I think I used this quote last week. I, uh, General Patton said, never tell people how to do things, tell them what you want and get out of their way. Well, he was once a soldier. I mean, he wasn't born as a general, right? So he knows how he would do it. But his skill set and his experience set is different than the soldiers that he assigned those things to. Right. And I think that's an interesting parallel. Uh, Grant, you, you were going to say something. Actually, two, two things I was thinking about. One, I've got a client I'm working with right now, and this is more of a design decision, but the, the and a senior executive said, you know, we're, we're, we did some A-B testing, just not in a structured, just feed people different ones and see what they, how they use them, but A, let's get their feedback on them. You know, one was a drop down, one was a drag and drop and, and get their feedback. Mm -hmm. And the senior person who also happens to come from a design background is like, well, well, who makes the final decision of what design to do? I'm like, design does, right? We're gonna give you data to help you make the better decision. And we're hoping that the data will inform your decision. Mm -hmm. But in the end, the designers need to make the decision the design the, the developers need to make the develop the decision on the development and and our job is to give them the tools and the insight to help them do that mm -hmm. this while representing the problem yeah no so, you know a designer may come back and say you know i think there ought to be six levels of boldness on a font you know, a little bold, bolder, bolder still, really, really bold, really incredibly, really bold. And you're like, you've just made a very simple thing, which is an on-off toggle into something that has four or five options. Yeah. And that is going to introduce friction to our customer, unless you can tell me why people want those levels, right? And that's actually the second place I was going to go, right? As a product manager who had some technical level of some technical understanding. I was couldn't code, right? But as a product manager with some technical understanding, I saw it as two places to help, right? One was risk management, right? If they were gonna go with some unproven technology or some old technology that wouldn't be supported, you know, but in the life cycle of it. I needed to have some level of knowledge to get through that. The second was an innovation, right? I don't want them stuck in their own old ways of thinking about how do you solve a problem. I could, hey, wait, what? I've seen some people using APIs in web services, to, and this is way back in the day, to do something, right? What about something like that? So it was, you know, at my technical skills as product manager were, were those two things, help with mm -hmm. risk management to, to avoid making wrong stack decisions and innovation, pushing them to think outside their own boxes. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah, and I so, think that's important because as a product manager, they may be relying, or as a development group relying on a product manager, they may not know where they can go with their outside of box thinking. And so if they're, if you're, if you have a .NET platform and they're always just like, well, we have to think of everything in this construct of .NET and you're a product manager who's a little savvy to, to at least kind of stay up with what's on Tech Republic and see yeah. headlines and go, hey, I read about this thing that is, you know, like I said, with Angular, what about that? And, and they may come back and go, I didn't think that was on the table. Yeah. And you like, everything's on the table, <laughs> you know? Yeah, but sometimes no. you have to kind of even push them outside because get, they, they're get, not give, give sure. them Give them yeah. some slack and la allow them to think about stuff. And maybe it's part of developing that relationship with them to make sure that they, Absolutely. hey, we, we make major technology stack decisions together as a team, right? 
but don't be afraid to bring stuff to us. Well, as long as a trust and, and everything yeah. that goes along with that. So yeah. Exactly. Well, let's get to our poll. Uh-oh, the heat one. Again. The heat map was back. Heat map. The heat map. I'm Mr. Wait, no, that's heat miser. Uh, <laughs> I'm in rare form today, Steve. That's good. Uh, we asked the question, how important are technical skills for a product manager? And actually it was one of our, we had eight responses, which is on the high side for where we are. You can see where I am. I'm on that peak that's sort of like, you need to have some, but not in the middle. I think Steve, after our conversation earlier, Steve, I may have moved mine to that middle uh, mm -hmm. thing, which is that 50%. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. I was sort of at the 45, 40% type realm. We had a nice peak at the sort of the 60% round, but if you put those all together, it's the majority of the answers. There's one person who came in or two people who came in and said, not at all, not much at all down the bottom quartile, but everybody else was in that sort of middle 50%, you know, from 20, the, the second quartile and the third quartile. Uh, where did you go, Jason? Uh, I was just to the, I was on that first kind of peak just to the right of the center. Okay. So the, the, the multiple people in that sort of 60 yeah. to 70%. Just the, the first one. And then it, then it kind of started carrying over as yeah. a, kind of a plateau there. Steve, where were you? Well, I would be 50% between the first hump and the last hump. Okay. And, and I was, and I think. Assuming the left hump is salespeople. What, what I didn't give here was it depends. Indeed. <laughs> that might've been the star answer if we did it depends here. <laughs> but you know, from the answers from the initial com in our conversation going on, I, I, I tend to think that I would be shifting my answer up to that you know, middle. You know, I'd shift my vote, vote over towards that 50% realm. I, I, I believe that I think we got to a good place with our conversation about where it should be uh, and where it could be. Any, any th last thoughts on the poll? When it's when it's a heat map, it's hard to go down each of these options. It's right. sort of a right. Yeah, it's just range. Yeah. No. All right. We'll move forward. Well, I, I do I, I do want to maintain my my insistence that a technical product man a person a tech a product manager in a technical realm should really be interested in technology. I mean, I, I it's. It's astounding to me, someone that you might actually know once said to me, you know what, I haven't read a book since college. And I'm like, how can you be so, how can you have such a lack of curiosity about any new ideas? Uh, and I feel the same way about technology. It's like, you know, when was the last time you learned something new in terms of technology? And I know Grant, you and I have been spending a lot of time on marketing automation and mm -hmm. a lot of that stuff. This is new to us. It's old hat to Jason maybe, but it's new for us. And yet and we're learning and we're getting better at it. And uh, we're curious about it. And I, I, I find the lack of curiosity to be a really disturbing trend. And I think, and I, I'm with you hundred percent. And I, that's the one thing that I look at a lot of job descriptions as I was a hiring manager for product managers up to like two years ago. Um, and I see a lot of job postings out there and um, nobody asks that question. And I think that should be one of the critical differentiators for that role is- you mean Like what have you learned in the last two years? Well, yeah, but just like, even just, um, you know, I'm looking for somebody with 
curiosity. Mm -hmm. we, we actually, curiosity in the job description. That way during the interview, you can say, what makes you curious? Now, Jason, you know? if you remember our, in our topic of the week conversation on hiring a product manager, we actually had a long run on being curious. Hmm. Yeah. And I'm just gonna quote Ted Lasso, quoting Walt Whitman. I got my Ted Lasso. Be curious, not judgmental, right? And I think it's gonna a key thing there. I keep reading, I'm more on the business and strategy side. Those are the type of things I read. I'm not reading the, the Kubernetes books from O'Reilly, right? Uh, it doesn't need to be there. But with that topic, let's go to this question. What is the best way for someone with a non-technical background to build technical competence, right? If somebody's coming in, they wanna do product management in a, in, a, in, a tech, in a software world, we're not, let's say it's not that infrastructure Kubernetes type stuff, but they're coming in for the first time. They wanna to get to that 50% or they were a salesperson, they wanna give, they realize Steve has gotten them and that product management is the place to have the best impact. And they want to come, how, how would you, where do they, where should they focus that curiosity, Jason? Well, I was gonna let Steve go with that one first because I was still thinking about <laughs> I'll, I'll go. Okay, I'll, we'll, we'll, we'll pivot to Steve. Steve, where would you go with that curiosity? It'll we'll give be, you a, a chance to think about, you know, a better answer. I say they build a website. Um, my friend, Barb Nelson, uh, is retired and you know she was with pragmatic for many years she was very popular on the west coast and you know she reached a, a point where she said I, i'm just not enjoying this travel anymore and she retired and like 15 minutes later she's like oh my gosh i'm bored out of my mind i need to do something so she went and started volunteering at the local art museum and they said hey could you help us a little bit on our website and she's like well good grief i haven't looked at you know html in a decade but my guess is I know more than you, right? So, I mean, these are museum people, right? Uh, and she got into the website and went, this is a travesty. I mean, it was just so badly done. And she's become a power user of Wix, which is their, their web tool, including writing her own scripts. And she's not a programmer and never has been, but she got into it. She got curious about it. She, she wanted it. To, to be brilliant. And, and I, I wish I had the URL I could send everybody to, uh, but she got interested and had an application. And, and on the other hand, uh, uh, someone in my family said, you know, I haven't used Excel in years. You know, could you reteach me Excel? And my answer was no, um, not because I don't like you, but you don't have an application. Tell me what you're trying to do. Well, I want to log my invoices. I want to log my commission checks. I want to log something. Oh, okay. Well, now we're finding an application and I can show you how to do that in Excel. Uh, so I think that's for a non-technical person to find a technology tool that interests them on a project that they would actually want to be involved with. That's my answer. Like oh, wait. And for example, as well, Grant, you know that I've recorded um, uh, an on-demand version of our fundamentals course. Yes. And that was a really painful journey for me until I finally said, well, I, I know what I can do, which is I can look at a slide. So I need to figure out how to get the slide in front of the camera lens so I can be talking to the camera lens instead of down here or over here. And 
I so I learned Camtasia and I learned uh, 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 how I, I set up a, a, a video workstation and I bought a real camera with a real lens and a real teleprompter and studio lighting and really got into it. And now I feel much more prepared to do more video based training. Awesome. Jason. So identify a problem and go for it. I mean, right. So that's my other recommendation on that is to really get used to how people are kind of talking and finding out what people are talking about the problems in the technical world. And so you could do that a lot of times by joining uh, local meetups. Mm -hmm. um, and now you could do this, these kind of drop-ins um, with, uh, was it Clubhouse? Mm -hmm. uh, or you can listen to podcasts and you're not going to understand anything they're talking about, but you can understand at least the tone you'll start getting some of the common words and those kind of things. And I think attitude about the technology space from what the developers are going through and, and what drives them and designers as well is gonna help you with that aptitude. Also might turn you into the, the curiosity component as well and maybe actually help you identify some problems that to solve that you might be able to sink your teeth into in the way that you were talking about there, Steve. Mm -hmm. So getting involved in the community, but that's really what you should do for anything you wanna you're right. You're right. In fact, you know, my first website was for the high school band. Um, they, uh, long story goes here. My second website was for church. Um, and uh, I actually uh, was working with a religious organization and they were talking about best practices of, of church websites. And they said, well, Steve, you know this stuff. I mean, you're a computer guy, but I mean, you really shouldn't put up like, a babysitter page with all the names and phone numbers of all the 14 year old girls in your church. And I went, hang on, we have to take a break and I have to go take a page down, you know, because it just <laughs> seemed perfectly reasonable to me when somebody said, hey, it'd be great if we had, you know, a babysitter page. And I just thought it was brilliant until I, you know, came to this realization. Um, but, you know, building a website in those days was pretty technical. But even today, I mean, it's not as technical, but it's, there's a lot to it of, you know, search engine optimization and making sure your keywords are right and, you know, all that other stuff. And it's, it's really fascinating. But to Jason's point, it's like, find a cause, you know, do something for the museum, for church, for school, uh, for your own personal hobby. No, I, 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 I think both answers make a lot of sense. The answer for me was I, I was at a comp big company I went to a, a product strategy guy who came from a technical background. I'm like, okay, can you help me understand how our stuff works? And mm -hmm. so they did it, but this was at a architecture diagram. Okay, it's a client server architecture, which means that you have a server computer somewhere. We run Unix, but there's other things you could run on it and you've got a client. So they, the client comes in and, and they went through and then talked me through the network infrastructure, you know, high level stuff that helped me at least be able to go to a whiteboard and you know, understand there's a database here. There's a connector to the database that can grab stuff. There's an application layer. There's an ex user, you know, an, an interface layer and the different things that you can do there. And that was what helped me start thinking about how does it work? And, and, and honestly, I, now thinking about how I would do my, when I would do a presentation on a roadmap, I would create a product stack and I would actually think about the interface layer, the application layer, the content layer and the integration you know, access point type layer and logic that comes with that. Couldn't program a, a lick of it, but I had that knowledge from earlier on that helped me at least start 
communicating, here's the problem we're solving and here's sort of, sort of how we can compartmentalize it and, and think about it that way. Good. So you know, that reminds me, your answer reminds me, I, I've got a book somewhere that I can't think of the name of and I'll look it up after our session today. But it seemed like it was like computer science 101 for business majors. You know, it was a very straightforward thing that talked about things like what well, what is a database and what is an API and what is a client and uh, it, it's really funny in with that knowledge to think of the conversations I used to have with my dad who would use program file and folder as synonyms and it would just drive me insane he's like and uh, he's like so I ran I, I opened this program and I looked at the documents that were in there and then I ran the folder and I'm like stop you're killing me here let's let's set up a share session so I can see what you're really doing which is I imagine how most tech people feel when product managers try to have tech conversations yeah like that's cute yeah <laughs> cute that you're trying yeah we were <laughs> well but there's also that technical support you'd always do for your parents anymore right indeed I mean, I think, I think a lot with, so I actually hired a product manager in my early days. I didn't make a lot of great hiring decisions. And she was very proud that she still only had a black and white TV and did not have a cell phone. Granted, it was before the smartphone era. And she was like, I don't have a cell phone and I don't really believe in them. And I still have a black and white TV and I still hired her. And I'm in a software business. What were you thinking? I Wouldn't that know. be a sign of lack of curiosity? It's basically a, um, a technophobe. A no, she was a technophobe. Yeah. She was actually a kind of against technology, and I hired her for a technology role thinking, well, maybe she'll represent our users better because she'll be the lowest common denominator. Um, but it She was the lower, she just, lower she, common she, denominator. Yeah, she ended up just struggling. We tried to move her to the product marketing a bit, but um, it just really just wasn't working out because she didn't have that curiosity to right. make better technology for people because she didn't think it really mattered. You know, right. and so I think there's, you can go way too far in the other direction with that too. Mm -hmm. I, I do not think this was going to happen, but if I'm going to go back to the transcript of this, I think that curiosity is going to be the word that's the biggest in our word chart on a thing about technical, right? But it makes sense now that I think about it. This, mm -hmm. this call always makes me Absolutely. think. So let's get to our second question, right? What is it harder to, for a non-technical product manager to add technical competencies or for a technical product manager to add business and soft skill competencies? You want me to start with Steve again? I can go. I mean, okay. if, you're always, if you're always going to select Steve, that's one thing, but. No, I, is it harder for the non-technical to add the technical or is it harder for the technical to add the business and soft? So I feel like I'm going to make at least you mad here, Grant, to say that it is harder to add technical for the non-technical. Okay, why? Um, because I think there is this, um, for some people, it's like, oh, that's just computers. I don't know computers. And they're on their phone all day long. And they're like, you know, that's a computer, right? <laughs> you know, like there, there is that. I run into people all the time, like, I don't understand computers. And they're like, through the socials and connecting all the social together and linking websites and those kind of things like it's computers i don't get it and so i think that it's i think there's an intimidation factor i used to be a nuclear engineer i'm an aircraft carrier and when i walked around and people knew they were a nuke because you had this thing called a, a thermoluminescent dissimilar on your belt and um to record radiation 
And so they knew you were a nuke and the, the mysteriousness of being a nuke was, uh, was something that was offsetting to people because they weren't allowed in the engine room because it was the nuclear engine room. It was all confidential material. And so um, I think there's a little bit of that with the computer science and IT. It's like, ooh, that's IT, ooh, mysterious. You know, people are doing it. They just don't know. Um, and so I think they can, I think, but business skills are a little bit more tangible. People can understand it more because um, it's out there. You know, people are talking about it. It's, it's not using terms like Kubernetes. It's using terms like negotiation, which is something you do with your children, you know? Yeah. So I think that moving from one to another might be easier, but it still depends on the personality of the, of the one you're dealing with. If they're not good in either, then they shouldn't be in the organization. No, it, it makes sense. And, you know, I, I, I know I've seen a lot of engineers, be it computer or mechanical, who, who had an amazing ability to do financial, it's numbers, right? It's, there's logic to it and they could do that and they were great at that. So I, 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 I can understand your theory and how you, why you would go that way. Steve, what's your take? I'm going to reluctantly agree with Jason. Uh, it's shocking, I know. Um, it's unbelievable. Did he convince you or were you already <laughs> leaning that way? I, I think he did convince me. I was leaning the other way, but I got, I, I got befuddled by the question. I, I think I was looking at, is it hard? I, I parsed the second part of your sentence to technical, and then I skipped over product manager, Yeah. add soft skills. You know, I, I, I think that is harder. I think it is hard for technical people who probably are very uh intj maybe uh to learn some of the soft stuff uh, but then you know when i actually listened to, to jason's answer and, and and look took in the whole question I, I i i go back to what i said earlier i think if if you're 25 30 35 40 years old and you have rejected technical competency it's not something you can just turn on and yet I do remember, I don't know if this is actually true, but I was told that the MBA programs of universities were designed specifically for technical majors. That the, in, uh, and I don't know if this is even true, but what I was told was, you know, after World War II, all, all these guys came back from the war and they were engineers and they were, uh, you know, super technical. And then a couple of years later, they found themselves in management positions and they had to read spreadsheets and they had to manage people. And they're like, they're engineers. So they're like being binary. You're like, Jason, you are no good. You will be fired unless you become good, in which case you will be kept, you know? And my understanding was that they created the MBA program to teach those business and soft skills competencies to engineers. Um, so I, I, now that I've said all that, I want to research that a little bit, but, um, so I'm going to do the big wrap up to, I think if you're not technical by the time you're a product manager, it's really hard to add technical capability or competency. And I guess I'm going to do the counterpoint. Okay. I'm going to be the contrarian. And I'm going to say, as Jason said, I don't ever, Jason, expect an answer. I'm not going to be disappointed in your answer. Any answer is a good answer. Does not be the right one. And so for me, <laughs> I'm going to go with it's harder for a technical product manager to add business and soft skills than a non-technical. And Steve, 
what I'll agree with you on is if I wanted to try to learn how to code, do JavaScript or program in Angular and do those types of things, 35 years in my career, it's too late. Mm -hmm. To get to that 50% mark that we sort of agreed to is where you need to be. I think if you're curious and open-minded and have some level of structured logic thinking, right? If somebody is, if somebody has no ability to think logically and structured, it'll be much tougher Yeah, because there's logic and structure to it. You have to understand, but I think that you can get somebody that 50% mark or even the 35 or 40% mark where, and I may be stereotyping the non-empathy, right? A liberal arts degree, you know, these technical people getting an INTJ to be able to do a good empathetic interview with a customer and understand them. Uh, and I'm also going to be relying on some of the data. When we did our survey of product leaders, there was a bigger gap between what they wanted the product managers to have in business and strategy skills versus what they had mm -hmm. than there was in the technical. So at most product that the product leaders we, we surveyed at least felt like there, the, there wasn't much of a gap between where they wanted the technical skills and where they had the technical skills. There was a bigger gap in where they wanted the business and strategy skills versus where they had the business and strategy skills. Mm -hmm. Soft skills actually was about the same as technical okay. in project management, which surprised me. I thought there would be a bigger gap there. So mm -hmm. part of me is also going with the data on that, but it also is me in a bias coming from, I never learned to code. I was the, you know, I was the non-technical product manager who added technical capabilities. So I'm like, I understand it can be done. It's easy. It's harder for the other people to come the other way, but that's just giving me, you know, imposter syndrome, I guess. I don't know, but mm -hmm. indeed, it all depends on the person to, to bring John Harmer's answer in. Indeed. It is interesting it because I suspect that what you just said is true for me as well, that I came from a technical background and had to add business and soft skills. Whereas you came from a business background and had to add technical skills. So both of us, I think are saying what I did was easy. Yeah, we, we did both say that as did so, and Jason's the same way. You know, where are you coming? So the key is curiosity. It, the key is curiosity. And nukes. Oh, wait, no. <laughs> I just wanted to get that word trending. <laughs> You've had a very interesting career. We need to start a different series called, you know, um, My Career Path. Because I can't imagine how many product managers or product leaders say, oh, yeah, I came up through the nuclear power station of a, of a submarine. I mean, come on. How cool is that? I mean, I was thinking... The fact that I worked at General Dynamics as a programmer was pretty cool, but. Listen, I am gonna tell you this. I stopped, I got out of the Navy when I was 23. And that part on my resume, which is like a subtext, is the only thing that has got me from one job to another. Because <laughs> everybody's just like, what happened there? You must be smart. Why are you doing product management? <laughs> so they're just like curious. Steve, maybe we should start a podcast called Business of Product. And maybe one of the themes we have is the product management journey and how people, the journey people took to get where they are. I think that would be a wise idea. I'd listen to a podcast like that. Yes. It'd be I very think... interesting because uh, they come from all over 
And it's everybody's testimonial on that is always very, very interesting. It really is. Circus journey. Yeah. So really somehow we've actually used up the okay. whole time. Lightning round. Lightning round. What is your best advice to someone with a more technical background to help them succeed as a product manager? I think we've heard a lot of the answers. I'm going to let Jason start this one. The more technical, get to the customers. Okay, get to the customers. Steve. Get to the customers. Get to the customers and get to the customers. You no, know, I'll say uh, your, well, no, I'll do this. Your opinion, while interesting, is irrelevant. Okay. You need to represent the market full of customers and not yourself or your salespeople or your developers. Awesome. So get to the customers. Your opinion, although interesting, is irrelevant. And I'm going to just do the summary. I'm going to take my Ted Lasso. I'm going to take the call and say, be curious, right? Learn. Go talk to people. Talk to your, F your finance people. When they're building stuff for your stuff, understand how they do it right? Mm -hmm. Talk to your marketing people, understand what they're doing. Talk to your customers, talk to your CEOs, be curious, go do those informational interviews and conversations, even if it's not part of your process. And that's going to help you build. That's how I built my technical skills. It's actually how I built my business skills too, mm -hmm. right? Once I was in the world, because what you get in the NBA is just sort of a, you know, a dump. How do you apply it and do that type of stuff? So guys, this was great. I, I always enjoy the conversations. Uh, and, you know, I think even with just a smaller panel this week, we still had an incredible, great conversation on the topic. So Jason Mincelet, thank you so much. Steve Johnson, thank you so much. And everybody out there, Monday, it goes in the community, the open-ended question. Jason knows what to think about. Wednesday, the poll. And I'll be very careful about when do I use the heat poll now. And Friday, we have these wonderful conversations. We'll see you guys next week in the community. Thank you all. Have a great one. Bye. Thanks for listening to Product Growth Leaders Topic of the Week. If you haven't yet, go to your Apple, Android, or favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join us next week for another episode. For more great content and to participate in the Topic of the Week conversations, go to community.productgrowthleaders.com and join the conversation.